Hey, what is going on? It is Rob Payone, aka Crypto Bobby, and welcome to the Proof of Talent podcast. Today, we have an excellent interview for you. It is with Haider Rafiq, who is the Global Chief Marketing Officer, the CMO at OKCoin, previously worked at blockchain.com as well. And in this episode, we talk about the profession of marketing in the blockchain and cryptocurrency industry, some of the ups, downs, the challenges, and also how it differs from traditional industries like enterprise software, where Haider worked at Microsoft and a few other companies in the industry. So if you are a marketing professional, if you are interested in kind of how marketers think about the industry overall, some of the cool things that OKCoin is doing and trying to be unique in the crowded and competitive cryptocurrency exchange space, we cover that all and more in today's interview. This episode is brought to you by Proof of Talent. We are a recruiting firm that works exclusively with companies in the blockchain and cryptocurrency industry. So if you are hiring for your company or alternatively, if you are a job seeker looking for your next move in the crypto industry, we are happy to help out in any way we possibly can. So reach out to us, proofoftalent.co. Okay, let's head into that interview with Hyder. My my background is probably really unconventional when you look at somebody typically in in the crypto space, most of the people that join the crypto space are coming from some fintech or some like Wall Street background, at least now. <clears throat> My background, I came to the US as an international student and this is pre-Mad Men era. So I didn't watch Don Draper and get influenced by this, but when I was in my final year of college, I was kind of obsessed with wanting to go work on Madison Avenue. Uh, I had this you know, hit list of top creative agencies that had started in early 1900s and were uh, basically the creative partners for some of the biggest consumer brands globally and in the US. Uh, so I uh, essentially got really fortunate as an immigrant to go work um, on Madison Avenue. My first job was at BBDO, which is Baton, Barton, Dernstein and Osborne. It was started somewhere in the early 1900s. Um, you know, they have, they manage business for Pepsi, GE, and a bunch of other consumer brands, uh, including eBay. So I started my internship there and I got into the ad industry. I spent, you know, a couple of years there and started working. I was one of the younger uh, folks in the industry who really understood digital at the time, because everyone wanted to work on broadcast TV, those like big Nike ads. And I was pushing for digital a lot. And so by default, the leadership would put me on tech clients. Uh, so I started working on Microsoft and eventually made my way to San Francisco at a uh, creative shop called uh, McCann Erickson. Um, and I was working on Microsoft and eventually, long story short, I found my way at Microsoft working in product marketing. So I took a little shift. I went from the creative agency world, storytelling, creative, uh, developing ads and campaigns to working in a product marketing function, which as you guys know, is probably like more working with engineering and product management. Uh, spend a few years there, helped Bing and Bing ads become sort of a challenger brand to Google. Uh, when I joined, I think the team was fairly lean. I think I was probably hired number three on the team. By the time I left, it was, it was uh, definitely in like 30, 40 people, at least in the US. Um, when I left Microsoft, I really wanted to go start my own um, company. So I founded uh, an e-commerce platform that was designed for international students. And I took two engineers with me from Microsoft and they started helping me build uh, the product. Uh, long story short, while we were building this thing, 
we ran into some payment issues, accepting payments from people, our customers coming from China, South Korea, India. And this is my first exposure to Bitcoin when we started accepting Bitcoin as a form of payment. And it definitely had a huge dent on our, on our sales. Uh, from there onwards, I, I found myself uh, at an enterprise software firm for about three to four years. I wanted to improve my ability to do product marketing. And if you look at product marketing as a function, typically the software companies have a better product marketing muscle than typically consumer uh, companies that have less of a need for product marketing. Uh, and this 2017 run-up was happening. So I was, of course, like everyone else, investing and uh, riding the wave. I, I got fortunate and, and met the CEO of blockchain. And in a casual conversation, you know, I, I basically said, hey, look, I think you need a head of growth. Because I kept seeing their ads uh, because I had went to the website kept seeing like these retargeted ads and they were not that great. Uh, so I, I kept pinging them saying, hey, I think I could help. Long story short, um, I think in March of 2018, when the bear market hit, um, I was able to join the team as their first head of growth. And so I spent a year and eight months or nine months at blockchain and it was a fascinating ride. Uh, it was a fascinating ride because it was a really interesting time for blockchain. Uh, number one, task number one for, for myself and a few others was migrating the brand uh, from blockchain info. I don't know if you remember that time. I do. Uh, I do. Yeah. To uh, positioning the company as blockchain.com. So it was a pretty big uh, assignment because what we didn't want to do is in that migration, lose the, the great traffic, the organic traffic that was coming up blockchain.info. Long story short, we did that successfully. And then the next few months were just a, you know, an amazing ride. Uh, we did a huge deal with Stellar. We did the industry's biggest airdrop, $125 million uh, of an airdrop that we distributed to people globally. And that was, that was fun. It was really a lot of fatigue and uh, learning there was it's really hard to give away money, which is counterintuitive to what you'd think. Uh, but it really is. Distributing free money is actually really tough. <laughs> um, and then we went on a journey to really improve the product. Eventually found ourselves launching an exchange. Uh, you might remember in 2018 when we launched it, we called it the pit. Um, and eventually I think blockchain uh, rebranded it to blockchain exchange. Uh, but during that time, we were really trying, we, we were challenged to how we bring it to the market and resonate with people and, and, you know, basically get mindshare when there are so many exchanges out there. Literally everyone during that time in 2018 was launching an exchange, so much so that stock twits that I really use quite a bit in my day-to-day -day trading also said, hey, we're going to launch an exchange. So literally everyone was in it. So we uh, struck a deal with uh, uh, William Shatner. And the idea was, let's just humanize some of this stuff because most of us are just like talking to each other, the crypto users, you know, the 30 to 50 million users that we all compete for. So the idea was, can we bring a big celebrity like William Shatner and, and do this in a comedic way? And so we ended up shooting that TV spot. I'm sure uh, it lives on YouTube, so it's not essentially a broadcast ad, uh, but we did that. And that is the time when I was having a, a little boy and it was time for a transition. And long story short, now I'm at OKCoin as the global chief marketing officer. Got it. And what a story. So you started kind of in the traditional ad agency, you went to Microsoft, 
he got bit by the the uh, Bitcoin bug, and he got into the business, and and here we are. So I'm curious. So now you know blockchain.com. You were there for almost two years. Now you're at OKCoin. Um, what have you learned over the past few years in the industry that you didn't really understand when you entered it, when you first got in? Wow, there's there's so much. There's so much there. I think the 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 things that excite me. Uh, that I've learned that I didn't anticipate getting into it is how early we are. I think we, we all talk about it, but it's really like when you're in it and you're working day to day, you realize, wow, like it is so early because most of the masses have not yet adopted it. Um, they don't have crypto as part of their portfolio yet. It's still a very, very small pool of people. Um, I think you can, you can test that, you know, ask 10 of your friends, likely that eight out of 10 are going to say, not going to mess with that too speculative, not my risk appetite, or I don't know what it is. I don't know enough about it. They don't even know the difference between blockchain and, and Bitcoin or crypto or, you know, all the nomenclature we're sort of used to. So I think that's super fascinating is how early we are. And I always try and draw parallels, which is a dangerous game, but naturally everyone draws parallels to, you know, computing or internet or even you know iPhone's first SDK and, and the world that it opened up to, to developers. So I think we, we have a, a long journey ahead before mass consumerization. And that's very, very exciting. Uh, I think I missed a few waves in my career and, and I'm glad like I was able to catch this one early enough and I'm part of it. Uh, the, I think the second piece is related to it because it's early, it's a really small network of people uh, so relationships are really key. Uh, and if you are able to network with people and help each other, it really incubates a really good community. Um, and that, that is really exciting. The ability to call people up and, and do things that have a big impact in the industry is really, really rewarding. Uh, something that I can't, I can't replicate in another industry. So I think just on top of my head, those are the two exciting pieces for me. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I, I, I do think it's interesting too. And, you know, we think about like being early because there, at, at least in my mind, like there's a little bit of a, a question that a lot of people have because 2017 came and a ton of hype, a ton of speculation, a lot of people got in and like left. Um, and so, you know, when we think about why those people left in some respects and and if you know any of those folks are coming back as well as like how we can actually kind of continually advance the industry i from i'm curious from like a marketing perspective because you hear it a lot from like the engineering side of the house to the technical side as far as like all right you know we're missing scalability we're missing this we're missing that you know maybe it's reg regulatory as far as marketing goes and like being early do you think a you know a lack of education or a lack of quality marketing or like a lack of a use case like why do you think we're still early when I would venture to say a vast number of people out there have at least heard of Bitcoin or heard of blockchain but um, they've still kind of let's say refused to adopt it or just don't take it seriously is it education is it marketing is it just the technology takes time and things take longer than people have think about. Um. My view is, yes, there's a bit of product and scalability issues. There is a bit of compliance and regulation. I think we're at a much better place than we were historically speaking. Mm -hmm. um, it, this happens with a lot of industries that are created by engineers. 
um, the, the art of storytelling gets removed. Uh, in fact, a lot of the rooms, the biggest challenge for marketers in crypto is you walk into a room and you're not the, the favored person. Uh, you're not somebody people are going to, uh, you know, have credibility for. If you're an engineer, yes, suddenly everyone has your attention. So I think you, you're, you're challenged with uh, making sure that you can build credibility really quickly. To answer your question about are we ready, uh, you know, I think we are. I think we were ready in 2018. Um, you look at Cash App, they've added Bitcoin. You look at their balance sheet and their you know, earnings report, it's clear it's working for them. Products gonna completely, you know, continue to evolve. I think we're very ready. I think the challenge I see is the companies, the firms are not ready for mass marketing because uh, they don't have that muscle built into their organizations yet. Now you look at OKCoin, Part of the reason why I'm here as the global chief marketing officer is because they see the need for this role. Mm -hmm. They see the need for investment in this area. I don't think most of the firms in crypto uh, have that appetite or that muscle yet or that investment built in yet. So my, my marketing point of view is, yes, we're absolutely ready. Now, the second part of your question was, is it education or is it something else? Look at DeFi, for example. What the, what the hell does DeFi even mean, right? <laughs> My wife is around me all the time. And, um, you know, she doesn't know what DeFi is. She hears like um, farming and she sometimes- Is she not up on sushi swap? Like, what, <laughs> what, what, is she sleeping? What is she doing? She literally does not take my job seriously anymore. <laughs> it's no so, wonder. <laughs> so I think like the, when I look at DeFi and I talk to our team internally, I say, you know, pull out the utility. Don't even talk about DeFi. Talk about what's the core utility. It's essentially high yield uh, products that you're offering. So I got you know an ad from Marcus from Goldman Sachs the other day, and it was really funny because um, they were like the highest yield you know account that you can get, higher than national average. And I looked, clicked on it, looked at the interest rate, and it was 0.6 percent, I think. And I was laughing at that. I was like, <laughs> you know, I was laughing because the irony was one, it's like super low and meaningless for anyone. And two, we have this amazing product, but we're not able to go compete with these guys or the traditional markets because nobody's telling that story. We keep saying DeFi and farming and what have you and earn, and none of these things mean anything, A, to the, to the traditional consumer, and B, there's, there's complexity with them. So they get intimidated when they, when, you know, I get intimidated. Uh, when, you're, when you're entering these ecosystems, there's a lot of, there's a big learning curve. Um, there's a lot of risk in these instruments. So, you know, if we in the industry, it takes us time to, to participate, then you can imagine like we're going to scare people away for most part. So uh, after education, you know, I would say it is how do we get rid of this uh, nomenclature that we use internally uh, as technical language and basically focus on the utility. Nobody gives a shit about DeFi, CeFi when you look at the broad world, they care about, okay, if I give you money, what are you going to give me back? Oh, cool. You, you can give me high interest. Great. What's the risk? What do you recommend? I should, uh, you know, what should be my risk appetite? Should I take 1% of my portfolio and allocate towards this? Or should I do five? How do I think about this? Give me the tools and the knowledge to make that decision. We are going through a time where there's the highest uh, unemployment rate. People are evaporating through their, uh, or their savings are being evaporated essentially. They're looking for, there's an appetite in the market for high risk uh, and high returns. But we're not, we're telling this DeFi story only among us. 
Mm-hmm. And it's not easy. I'm not saying, you know, when you have the intent, you can just quickly go do the job. It takes practice. It takes uh, repeat uh, intent. And eventually we'll figure out a way collectively to tell that story. Because if we don't, Fidelity will, TD Ameritrade will, Cash App will, Facebook will. And that's that's where my mind's at. Got it. That makes sense. Because a lot of those, like the Fidelities, the TDs, they have larger user bases and that might help to normalize, you know, crypto, Bitcoin, Cash App, adding Bitcoin. That, that's a, a small step, but, you know, they have a, a large user base and will eventually hopefully normalize things like that. And I'm curious, kind of on a similar note, um, on the marketing side in crypto, what fascinates me is the pace, the pace of things happening every day. I mean, I get exhausted scrolling through Twitter every day. It's like something is always happening. Something is changing. How do you, as a marketing team, handle that? Um, I don't think we're great at it yet. I think we're on the journey uh, to be to be better at it. Um, right now, a lot of the reaction is to the crypto community. Um, I think we, we have to work really hard to get out of that stream and, and focus on the, the streams of uh, traditional investors uh, and traditional markets um, and go basically insert ourselves in there. Um, so there are a lot of distractions. I wish I could say we're really great at, at defending ourselves from, from or, or you know, being more cautious. Uh, we all end up in that loophole because if three other companies are doing something, naturally there's an urgency for you to step up and, and also be present. Uh, because arguably the, the flip to my argument is, well, the, the stickiest users currently are the ones that, that have crypto in their portfolio. So if you launch a new product or there's something going on, you're going to easily get their attention. There's a low cost per acquisition um, for those acquiring those users and onboarding them versus the new ones. All right. That makes sense. I mean, it's something similar. I think about what in recruiting too, it's like, we want to bring, you know, we don't want to just pass it, you know, like poach people from different companies within the space. Like everyone just goes back and forth between this company and that company, and it'll never grow that way. And similar to marketing, like you want to be, you want to be proactive. You want to find those new channels, uh, I'd imagine. And, and I see that in recruiting. Like I want, to, I want to bring people from Google, Facebook, Netflix, these big companies that have a lot of success, bring them into this industry because there's a lot here, right? And it's, it's um, a goal of ours as a recruiting agency to do that. And I'd imagine similar to you in creating and generating a bigger, larger user base just outside of our own little microcosm in crypto. Absolutely agree. I, I think uh, we are saturated on the, the number of talent that has, you know, previous crypto experience. And to some degree, a lot of mm-hmm. us can be jaded because of our past experiences. <laughs> so I think like there needs to be a healthy mix here. Mm. Uh, yeah. We need to go tap into not just fintech or people from Visa or MasterCard or Capital One or Discover or brokerage firms. But even, you know, other consumer experiences uh, or products that have done really well or created new industries, like what can we learn from them? How can we get them excited to join? Yeah, it's it's funny because a lot of times when I talk to a candidate about pitching themselves to a company, because I think ultimately, like when you're interviewing, that's what you're doing is basically pitching yourself to a company. And it's somebody that has zero crypto experience. That's one of the big things that I mentioned is essentially having fresh eyes because I do think, you know, there is an advantage to having prior crypto experience because, you know, you know, the market, well, you know, the ins and outs and you have that like depth of experience, but on the flip side, you are 
jaded most likely at least like for me like i've worked in the industry now it's been probably close to it's coming up on three years like i i'm definitely pretty jaded as far as things go and because of that i think when sometimes new things come along i am more hesitant to either buy into them or think that they might be legitimate because i've seen so many things fail and so many things flop I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm pretty jaded. So when I talk, talk to a, somebody that might be interviewing for a new opportunity, that's what I say to them. I'm like, hey, look, like you don't know the preconceived notions. And that is actually an advantage in a lot of respects mm. because you don't have, you know, three years, four years, whatever, six years of bull market, bear market, you know, flops all over the place. So I, I think that is a, you know, funny and interesting point. Um, and also coming from a background in, in enterprise software myself, I'm kind of curious You've worked at, at CA Technologies. You've worked at Microsoft. How does the actual like day-to-day -day marketing in the enterprise software world compare to what you do in, in the crypto space? Is it basically the same type of like day-to-day -day job or the material differences at all? Yeah, there are. I think, you know, B2B especially on, on the Bing side of things, you know, there was, there was more, probably more um, relationship to what we're doing now. But on the CA side of things, those are like really... Um, you know, that's a very product marketing driven function. You're really focused on feature function value and value propositions. Uh, and you're selling to a customer that's like a CIO, CTO, and they're really long uh, deal cycles. You know, it takes like a year or, you know, a year or two years to close a deal. And then those deals are grandfathered in for like, you know, like there were some clients that were with CA for 30 years. Uh, so it's uh, it's a very lucrative business, but operationally very different from a marketing standpoint. Uh, on the Microsoft side, because you have an auction system and a marketplace, and then you have a consumer side of things, it was it was it was somewhat similar. So the day to day operations, the reason why I really like uh, liked working at Blockchain.com, uh, or uh, I'm really enjoying my time at OKCoin.com, is you've got the consumer side of things. We have to convince crypto users or traders or uh, you know, retail investors that they should have the urgency to build up their crypto portfolio and we have the right assets for them to do it. Uh, we have the right market tools. We have low fees. We have FDIC insurance on US deposits. Uh, but then at the same time, we have a BD team that's going and working with other crypto firms and liquidity providers and market makers and what have you to build the B2B side of our ecosystem. So I think the, the work that I did at Microsoft is very relevant to what we're doing here operationally from a marketing standpoint. Um, I just have a better charter here because I, you know, I have my own, the, the entire team. So I get to look across both sides of the, both sides of the house. Got it. So there's different, there's different strategies, obviously taking on like B2B marketing, B2C marketing, marketing to institutions, marketing to uh, retail traders. So um, just touching on your time at OKCoin thus far, you know, you've been there for uh, eight months or so, almost a year, I think. Um, but when you started there, OKCoin has been around for quite some time, um, largely kind of in, in Eastern Asia, um, primarily before this, the last couple of years. Um, it was relatively unknown in the U.S. So as you stepped in, you're 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 seeing this full picture. You're trying to grow the appetite here in the states. Like, how have you tried to change that? What's been your vision there? Um, OK Coins had an interesting history, like you like you mentioned. I think the the intent to uh, start a U.S. headquarters was also driven by, hey, let's go recruit the best talent 
we can to give rebirth somewhat uh, to the brand. Um, I think the the the, crowd, the the space is really crowded. Needless to say, I think there are household brand names already being established, and they're going through their own set of challenges. Um, ultimately, where any firm can make a difference in grabbing mar my market share or mind share is essentially focusing on, and I know this might sound cliche, but it really works, is focusing on customer experience. And that's easier said than done. Uh, it touches so many parts of the business. But that's the hyper-focus right now is being really honest with ourselves, taking a step back and looking at our strengths, looking at our weaknesses and figuring out how do we fill the bucket and, and, not, and have less weaknesses and create ultimately an experience that is really easy and meaningful for any type of user coming in. So I'll give you some examples. Since, uh, since I've joined, we really prioritize. The first thing we said was we're not going to do any marketing until we recalibrate the homepage a little bit. We, we did a quick exercise and it's there. And needless to say, we've productized our homepage. So you're going to see more and more iterations, like probably four, four new releases every year, which is probably more than what you're going to see with other crypto firms. Like Coinbase has had the same homepage for a while with you know, slight optimizations here and there. So number one, productize the homepage because that's our first touch point to tell a, a meaningful story that differentiates us. The second piece is about building trust. We've been doing a lot of social listening. We've been doing a lot of surveys a lot of research because we wanna hear from the customers. And what's, um, what's really rewarding is now we're actually getting really high profile customers who will tweet and DM us and say, here's my pain point. I started a ticket, I didn't get the right response, uh, you know, help me. And we will scramble and put a team together internally and go solve that individual's problems. This is something that I was troubled with when I was at blockchain because there wasn't as much of a customer focus. And I think it's really important to have uh, customer focus. So we're doing that. And I think that feels like the right thing for us to do. Uh, the other piece I think that uh, Hong, our CEO feels is really important and the entire company feels is really important is there has to be stuff that we do or other exchanges or other firms do that helps build the industry. So you've seen our non-commercial sort of initiatives, uh, call it corporate responsibility, where we're going and funding giving grants to Bitcoin core developers. We think that's a really important part that, that. We, need to, uh, we need to thank you. We need to, uh, we need to uh, do. So less marketing, go you know, help build the community and build, build the products. And then um, how do we make it easy for people to come in and trade? Whether you're a sophisticated user, you're a hedge fund, you're an institution, you're a retail investor, you're like one of us folks who are just knee deep in crypto and want to participate all the time. Everyone likes ease of use. It's uh, crypto is really complex. So we're this year we just launched ACH, which uh, essentially allows you to bring your link your bank account, uh, you deposit funds. Uh, but what it actually solves is when you deposit funds, they're available right away for you to start trading. What happens with wires is you do it, and there's a three to five day settlement period, and the market's like gone up and down, and you've already lost your trading opportunity. So we, we've done that. We are doing that through a product called Plaid, which is now a Visa product. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's number three is uh, you'll see some content come out from us uh, early next week uh, or in a few days. 
where we will show you how we have reduced the amount of clicks it takes you to sign up for our product. And we're now the lowest amount of clicks in the entire industry. I'm not going to name the other firms, but you know, the, that we are going to be substantially less than any other uh, crypto, uh, crypto exchange. So that's uh, another piece. And then naturally, uh, when we introduce new assets, we want to make sure uh, not only trading is available, but withdrawals uh, into USD and, and other pairs are, are easily available. And last thing I'll say is we're also expanding our order types. So these are some of the things that we're doing uh, mm-hmm. that I think will help us differentiate. Uh, but this is a long game. This is not, you know, go viral in, in six months because you're adding really high risk assets and you're creating a gambling casino uh, mm. for the world to, to, that's not the position we want to take. I personally have this passion that it's not just a problem in crypto. I think even in traditional finance, we have instruments that are really high risk that any one of us can just quickly get access to and we can lose our shirt very quickly. So like example, options, options trading and Robinhood. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. Uh, but take a, you know, take, let's take an example of a traditional brokerage firm. I put $100,000 in, now I'm day trading, you know, I'm going in and out of positions, I'm looking at earnings reports, I'm looking at seeking alpha, and I'm making my, building my own point of views about, about positions. And as I'm day trading or trading, I will get a notice from my brokerage firm saying, hey, notice you have, you know, X amount in your portfolio, here's 10X that, you know, why don't you go play more? Right. And as a new trader, as a young person, you're like, wow, I now have a million dollars to, to trade, trade with. I just made like a thousand dollars on this trade. If I have 10 X that I could make 10,000 and you recklessly go in and very easily lose your shirt. I mean, so many people have, have had stories about this. I, you know, give the example of Chris Saka. He's got this great, amazing story of early 2000s, I believe, or before he joined Google where he literally lost his shirt and then had a bunch of lawsuits when got a law degree to, to fight off those lawsuits. But a lot of people have gone through that. So I think there's a responsibility in finance. What happened is 20 years ago, we didn't have these digital platforms. So if you wanted to place a trade, you'd call up your broker or your financial advisor. Now all these tools are accessible on our device, which is in some ways dangerous if you're not, mm. uh, if you're not doing responsible access control or education for for investors and i think that needs to happen across the board crypto is not the uh, only uh, only space that needs that yeah no yeah. I, absolutely it's the robin hood example is is funny and then i mean I, I think too it's interesting just going back to your kind of discussion on marketing and like thinking about the company as a whole um like talking about a number of different product features because i think that's important but then also going to like the point, like you said, of the developer grants for the Bitcoin core developers. Like, I think obviously that's great because it helps to support the ecosystem overall. And, you know, Bitcoin is such a core part of that. Um, But also that's like a perception thing too, because then you have people like so much of the industry to me as well is is perception. And if people believe you are kind of value add or or like good actors in the system versus bad actors and and i i do think that that perception tends to change very quickly and i've seen that happen with other companies and other exchanges so it's just kind of interesting to get your your overall like mind uh kind of thought process on that um but you know somebody in your position so obviously serving as as the chief marketing officer global marketing officer at um okcoin um and we've had the opportunity luckily enough to, to work with you on a couple different uh hires in the past 
I would love to understand like what you look for when you are hiring somebody in the marketing world. Would love to hear your thoughts there. You want my candid response on that? Yeah, shoot. Um, this is not on the job descriptions, of course. I think I look for number one, I, um, I'm really attracted to candidates who've taken a beating in their last role uh, and they've hit a wall and they, they know what are the right things to do, but they weren't able to do it for one reason or another. And they felt they, they're at a place of defeat almost and looking for the next role. And I want to capitalize on that energy. So I, you know, it's a very wishful thinking. You don't always find those candidates, but I am really keeping my eye out. We as a collective are keeping our eye out. There is a lot of volatility in uh, crypto firms and cultures, yeah. uh, needless to say. Uh, so I, you know, I look for those people who are, who have been, uh, who just have taken a beating and, and uh, they want to fight the next fight and they want to get to a firm uh, where they are going to have the permission to do what they have learned is the right thing and go experiment and prove the model and push the boundaries. Because if we just market it to our own selves, we're never gonna win the broader industry. So number one, I look for that is, can I find that candidate who's leaving another firm and is just like discouraged, beaten down because you know their CEO or co-founder was just like, nope, that's wrong, that's wrong, that shouldn't be the case or, you know, uh, build and they will come like that mentality. Right. So I think that's criteria. Number one criteria. Number two is I love when I, I, uh, I'm so fortunate to actually review such great talent, especially coming from you guys. But I love when, uh, I, at a surface level, think it's not the right candidate and I push back and there's only once or twice you will hear from a candidate, no, 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 I, I am the right candidate. I, I would love for you to really take a closer look at me. And I think uh, I won't name the candidate, but we went through that journey. And initially I told, uh, told you guys, hey, this is at a surface level, probably not the right candidate. And I, I love the fact that that candidate pushed uh, us to reconsider him because um, that candidate is actually the best performer, one of the best uh, top performers on the team right now the sheer passion, the energy, uh, the ability to not get discouraged when the results are not there is, is you know, all, all part of uh, his, his sort of personality, which, is, which has worked out really well. So I think that's a hard learning I've had is, you know, give people a chance. Um, surface level might not tell you the right story. The resume might not always tell you the right story. And then thirdly, the, the thing we were initially talking about is how can we go tap into sort of the, unobvious resumes, uh, you know, sure, I can get someone from Merrill Lynch or Goldman Sachs or Wall Street, or I can go, you know, recruit somebody from Visa or, or a fintech company. But what about like other, especially in marketing, what about like other consumer brands where they can, you know, help us tell a really uh, humanized story? Uh, so those are, I think, the three criteria. I, I do operate with passion, uh, high EQ, uh, I think. Uh, so, you know, typically <laughs> I, uh, for me, I really, um, what resonates with me is our emotions and passion and drive and those things. Got it. That's one of my favorite things about working with you. <laughs> you can see yeah. that passion and drive coming through. Um, so on the flip side, you know, and those three things, you know, 
they're not the easiest things, like you said, to measure on a resume. So it's about talking to people. It's about getting to know people. But um, on the flip side of that, how would you recommend marketers, um, maybe someone that's fresh out of school or has one or two years in tech and they're looking to get in this industry, how would you recommend them to prepare for, um, for the crypto industry specifically? Uh, if I was coming out of college or in college or had just recently uh, been working, the best way I think uh, to immerse yourself is you, you still need to understand the sentiment of, you know, the people who are participating right now in the crypto ecosystem. There's a certain sort of in, like person that comes in, right? Uh, they have risk for appetite or sorry, uh, appetite for risk. Uh, they want to go down the rabbit holes of new things. You know, there's a certain personality type. So I think uh, if I'm new, I would want to pick one protocol or one asset or one community, and I would go just really deep in there and, and figure out what's happening in that community. What are the ins and outs? What are the challenges? How are they building that community? What are the key value propositions? And I think that might be the most simple way of, of going deep and building expert level knowledge. Now, of course, uh, for anyone entering the industry, you got to start with some of the foundational work. Like you got to go learn how Bitcoin started. You read the Bitcoin white paper, you read a little bit about blockchain, not just Bitcoin's blockchain, but other popular blockchains, Ethereum being you know, another one. Um, and I think those that foundational education is really important. Uh, and it's okay if you don't understand this stuff. Uh, I think we were all there. Uh, honestly, like a lot of us don't understand some of it. Um, and that's and that's all right. Uh, and you know, the, I think that's I think those are the two suggestions I would have is go build the foundational education. All those documentations are public, uh, and then go find one community that resonates with you. Maybe it's the Ethereum community. Maybe it's the Tron community. Maybe it's you know Blockstack. Maybe it's like some some other asset. Maybe it's Near Protocol. I'm just naming some of the ones that I like, um, and and just go deep. And I think that's that's how I would do it. Got it. Uh, thinking about evaluating opportunities now, you know, you've worked at blockchain.com, you've worked at OKCoin. So you've had the chance personally to evaluate different companies. If you were somebody that is a job seeker, it could be you know, specifically a marketer or just more generally evaluating opportunities within the crypto sector. What would you tell people to look for when evaluating a, a new company that is you know, a place that you would enjoy working at and staying at for the long haul? I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this um, at some point in my career. Um, look, avoid. Uh, I think Anthony Pompliano uh, says this really well. Uh, so I'll just throw him under the bus. You know, I learned it from him. Um, he says, avoid working for assholes. I think that's really important. There's, you just don't need it. There's plenty of firms out there. There are plenty of companies. If there's something hyped up, um, you don't need to necessarily go there to build your career. There's this sentiment in San Francisco or Silicon Valley or even New York is if it's a venture-backed firm, if A16Z is behind it, or if like there's a big sort of founder figure there, you know, everyone sort of wants to go work there, right? And there's this appeal around it. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes when you have young founders who don't have the, the work maturity, or haven't been in different companies or different cultures or understand the value of cultures or how to build teams and how to optimize for the happiness index, 
what happens is you you have a troubled culture and uh i don't i wouldn't suggest anyone to to do that uh i think shop around there are firms out there that that have uh good cultures so i would say optimize for a place where you're going to be happy maybe you are happy at that toxic culture and that's that's fine it works for you but ultimately you want to figure out where you're going to have that sense of belonging because the work is really hard uh, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in engineering, you're in support, you're in BD, work is hard in crypto or recruiting. Um, so find that place where you have that sense of belonging. Um, I think the other big piece, and perhaps I optimize for this more than anyone else, uh, is I optimize for people I'm going to work for. Am I going to learn from them? Are they good people? Can I spend time having a beer with them? Uh, can, I, can I like you know enjoy my time with them off work? But then the second thing you want to ask yourself is, are they building something that you will, uh, you will exponentially learn from over the next few years? Uh, I think that's the second piece to optimize. And oftentimes you can't see that uh, in early companies. Uh, you know, early companies, you look at stuff and you're like, wow, that's super complex like, and super ambitious. Like, that's not going to work. But if it's a group of people that are really persistent and will persevere, it will work or there's a higher likelihood of it working as long as there's, they have good backing and you know, they're going to keep, keep chipping away at it and there's good time. So those are, I think the, the two things to look for is look for good people, avoid assholes. You don't need it. Uh, and look for firms that are building uh, really good products and ones that, that will uh, really uh, make a dent in this world. I, I think DeFi is really, really interesting. I'm sure we can, we can go deep in that conversation, but, uh, right now is a great time to enter crypto because you can go work for so many of these products and they all need help. Uh, okay. and, and I think um, democratizing uh, you know, that aspect of finance, I think is, is uh, really, really a great urgent utility in the current economic times. Yeah, that, that's such a good point. And um, the last piece about DeFi there, like there's so many ambitious people out there doing really ambitious things. And you know, while three, five years from now, most of them may not be around. It's it's about the journey. It's about the experience. I mean, just look at this industry now um, from where it was even 2018 uh, and earlier than that, 2016. You know, it's The growth is there and the interest is there. The ambition is there. It's just about, you know, diving in you know, almost and, and seeing what works best for you and, and figuring out your path and your journey throughout all the, the fireworks out there. Yeah, and be ready to take a beating uh, because if you're not yeah. taking a beating, you're not making movement. So it's okay to take a beating, and it's okay to have drawbacks, uh, and and you know or stepbacks, and it's fine. Like you, if you're if you're grinding it and and you're taking that you know taking those punches, I think you're making progress, and eventually it will pay off. Yeah, those are those are great points. I mean, it's uh, it's a tough industry to be in, but it's a, I think it's a rewarding one, and the risk reward is is worth it in my mind. Um, which is number one why I've I've worked in it, but also think <laughs> it's definitely worthwhile for for other people to do so as as well. Um, but but to that point, um, you know, I know there's there's some pretty significant growth happening at at OKCoin, and pretty much wraps up the questions that we have for. Uh, for for the podcast, but would love to to maybe finish off with you know what you uh, are are doing at OKCoin in terms of of growth because uh, I know you're looking to add some some headcount to the team as well. Yeah, I uh, 
the, the first six months were, how do we fix the foundations? Um, so we added uh, folks that could help us um, redesign our messaging, our, our homepage, uh, rethink how we uh, introduce our products to customers. So we added some product marketing folks. Uh, we've added some growth folks. Uh, we've invested a lot in content. Um, I think we have, uh, we have a team of uh, three or four people now uh, writing content. Um, and we're now focused on distribution. So the, the team that was recruited thus far is really about, you know, the column, the foot soldiers who really helped us establish the foundational stuff. Now it's about scalability. Uh, so over the next six months, we're going to continue to build uh, the growth team out, the growth marketing team. And that growth team is uh, a combination of folks. There is um, an organic growth team, uh, um, which those folks are uh, really going to focus on app store optimization, ASO, across Google Play and iOS. And uh, then there's going to be uh, some folks managing SEO, uh, really making sure our on-page, off-page backlinks uh, our, our choice of the right keywords and keyword targeting is, is on par. Uh, then there's going to be uh, uh, also part of the organic team, a few folks that are looking at acquisition and retention loops. Um, how, how to best get our customers in from discovery into our platforms. And when they get into the platform, do we have the right mechanics in place to convert them as quickly as possible to their end state that they actually came to our product for. So for example, if you guys come in, we have the right onboarding tools, we have the right email triggers, the right SMS triggers, app push uh, to help you through your journey to verify your profile, make that first deposit, get to your first trade and get to multiple trades and ultimately building a really healthy portfolio. So that organic team is really gonna focus on that onboarding piece. And then we have the paid, uh, paid ads growth marketing team, which uh, naturally, with Google being uh, the beneath, uh, there's going to be a team focused on Google Ads and getting a scale uh, through Google Ads, and then focusing on some of the other uh, platforms that are not as saturated as Google and less competition, uh, perhaps a lower cost per acquisition, um, and and really scale that side of side of our uh, our muscle. Uh, we're going to continue to scale the uh, the content team. Uh, I think we're going to probably want to double the team. Uh, in the next 12 months, I would say. And then uh, the product marketing function is another big priority for us. Um, I, I think I talked a little bit earlier about the business, the way we think about it in terms of segmentation. So it's probably obvious that we're gonna have uh, product marketing teams uh, basically assigned to each of those segments, making sure that we have the right uh, positioning of our products that resonate with each of those uh, segments, whether you're retail or institution or otherwise. And I think we might add uh, some partnerships, folks. Uh, I think partnerships in this industry are really important. And it's partnerships, not just from a product standpoint, uh, there can be a lot of marketing partnerships. We did one with Unstoppable Domains. Um, love those guys. Um, and you know, the Bitcoin having, we ended up hosting our Bitcoin having landing page on an Unstoppable Domain. Um, I think it was bitcoinhavings.crypto. Um, so there are partnerships like that, that we can, we can do that are marketing driven. Uh, so we're going to hire in that, uh, in that area as well. And I think that's uh, uh, just a rough blueprint of how we're going to think about scaling the marketing team.
Yeah, that's 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 great. I think that uh, you know it's a really thoughtful approach. And and bottom line, you're you're scaling it in a couple different directions. So if you're in marketing right now, uh, feel free to reach out to us or, or to reach out to OK Coin, and <laughs> we definitely love to talk to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys have been tremendously helpful. I, I encourage everyone listening who's uh, interested in working in crypto to to reach out to us um, because we're looking for great candidates. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate your time. We appreciate your perspective on the industry and just marketing in general. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.